it was really great to pick up uh, the birth of tragedy again because it's you know it's one of those moments where you get everything that you've been thinking about confirmed <laughs> by an authoritative source you know <laughs> because i mean i i read it before so i just sort of picked it up went through it a little bit here and there and then suddenly it says well a culture that doesn't have is not based on myth, it doesn't have the myth in the horizon, cannot create anything, cannot, uh, you know, it basically just dies, right? And that's when I thought, oh, this, this is just amazing. And it, because that's, that's what we see today, right? That there's, there's absolutely no myth, well, it has been for a long time within the field of art. And uh, that's always what, I mean, that's basically why we made this channel to say we, you know, if you're a picture painter, it's not enough just to paint reality as it is. You have to add this extra element. I mean, this is what the this is the Dionysian uh, um, what he adds as that that the Dionysian element, right? Yeah, um, it's a bit unclear how close to tie the mythical to the Dionysian. I think because mm -hmm. uh, he also says you need both. You need both Apollon and Dionysus. Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. And the Dionysus is sort of like the ecstatic the 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 intoxication and the the, the wild instinctive uh, mm. element. Um, so yeah, but, but I mean, he says that 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 or that's in, in the introduction. Quite a good introduction to this uh, edition I have here, saying basically, you know, your odd party in some uh, village is not necessarily Dionysian. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, that that's a strange thing. Then that that the, um, I mean, you, you could say that what has happened in culture uh, is that with the concept of fine art saying that uh, uh, you know you shall not be base yourself on, on craft rules that seems like in Nietzsche's terms that they are rejecting the Apollonian and sort of embracing full-scale the, the Dionysian right you can see uh, abstract painters as sort of being the proof of that um, but uh, as he says if you have only one of them that you know, basically having just one of them or the other is almost the same. Yeah, and so then when they merge, that's when you get into some catapulted into to some mythical yeah. uh, level. Right? So what, what I find refreshing is, uh, so I teach philosophy, and we we sort of start with Socrates very mm -hmm. often. We start yeah. with like that was when it all started. He gets a bad rap here. And, uh, <laughs> Nietzsche think that's where it all went downhill. <laughs> that was with Socrates. So uh, he sort of turns the tables a little bit. Uh, because with Socrates, everything became rational. So mm -hmm. with Socrates, you went from the mythos to the logos. You went from mythology and explaining the world in terms of mythologies to uh, rationally reasoning mm -hmm. yourself uh, forward to a conclusion. Uh, and questioning everything, and everything became very uh, rational. Mm. And Apollon is the god of planning and rationality, and then Dionysus is the god of intoxication and partying and and, and uh, um, the ecstatic uh, condition, instinctive. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he he thinks that he went too far in the direction of Apollon with Socrates. With Socrates. Uh, and and then from Socrates you got Christianity, and then you got science. And he thinks that's, that's all on the Apollon side of that, those two uh, uh, aspects. And, mm. and he, he, he's arguing that we need more of Dionysus. We need to bring Dionysus yeah. back on stage. I mean, that reminds me of this um, uh, slogan they had in the, in the Enlightenment, Navigare Vite, 
you can navigate your life if you just rationally think everything through and map everything out you yeah. can just go right at you know the, you know, the new paradise or whatever yeah. and uh, I, I think that's interesting that, that he brings in Socrates this sort of this so-called rational way of thinking just completely misses the foundation that everything the old empiricism lies upon right yeah I mean the emotional th side yeah he thinks it's a uh, cultural uh, decadence mm. to go in the direction of rationality yeah. but he, he doesn't rule he doesn't say you don't need or want any rationality mm. so uh, I think for example in good painting you need both a bit of theory and 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 rational theorizing but you also need that that uh, more ecstatic instinctive just like will yourself forward aspect that you get from the Dionysus aspect so he he sort of wants to regain the balance between the two uh, and I think early Nietzsche that which the birth of tragedy is his first book early Nietzsche uh, is very much on sort of favoring the Dionysian a little bit more perhaps than Apollon but he also says you need both uh, and and for him it's the Greek tragedy that's the mm paradigm example of having both so it had the the singing and the music as well as uh, as uh, acting on stage yeah. uh, and later uh, the, the 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 plays became more rational it became more talking on stage uh, and the actors were talking more than they were singing and that's when Nietzsche thinks that Socrates to blame for ruining Came the Greek plays yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting because it talks about oh <clears throat> he criticizes uh, Sophocles too, but uh, especially uh, Euripides, and uh, that, that so he blames him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this idea that things are not are were disorderly before, and he has to come in, and he talks about how Euripides has that person in the beginning who says, "This is what the play is about, and this was what happened." It's like, why would you want to see the rest of the play when you know yeah. <laughs> everything from beforehand? So it just kills that mystery. And, and I always think of it in light of, of what Campbell is, uh, Joseph Campbell was talking about, how the point of myth is to, how does he phrase it, you know, sort of realign you with the, with the mystery of being, basically. You know, that, and I think that's so fascinating, because in that book, well, it's in The Birth of Tragedy, isn't it, where he talks about um, that, that quote, life can only be defended as an aesthetical phenomenon. And I've always I tend to quote that and you know misquote it as some kind of. I a, think it's even existence uh, is only justified as an aesthetic phenomenon. Right, 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 oh. right. But and, and you can understand that as some some kind of distance, very um, a very distance attitude to it. But of course, what he he is talking about is that when you see you know the tragedy, then it is something that is grander than life and tells you how life works and that's the justification of it that there is no no uh, depression in it it is a confirmation that life is about trying to survive and even though that hero dies it is it shows that there's a person willing to to yeah. to fight you gain a lot from the mm. tragic aspect they're actually yes. positive yeah, yeah. So the the, yeah. the the pain and the suffering is a positive force that can uh, yeah it, it's bring like forth great things um, it's like, uh, you know, Epictetus, a uh, Roman uh, Stoic philosopher. He talks about, he has this uh, image where this little flame, you put a log on it and the flame starts to devour the whole log. You know? I never heard of it. Yeah. But that, that's, no, yeah. that's a fantastic image. Yeah. That it's not, it's not negative. It's, you know, you can 
you can take over that whole burden yeah. and make it your own somehow. Yeah. But the, the mm. interesting thing in the birth of tragedy is that uh, he puts music as the one of the most fundamental arts. Yeah. Because music, uh, and especially the kind of music he talks about, which is a bit unclear, but it's very much Richard Wagner uh, at the beginning there. Uh, but the kind of music he likes, he says that this is the most fundamental art because it's the pure Dionysian aspect of reality. So it's sort of like a metaphysics of reality mm -hmm. that music is able to express uh, reality directly without yeah. word, without going through representations. It because just, it resonates with the body. Yeah. It just directly yeah. expresses the... the, the it's like the original a, a, will or something. Yeah, like so it's yeah. like a Schopenhauerian kind of will mm. uh, that underlies mm. reality. Uh, yeah. And music is the only art able to express that directly. Uh, mm. While the theater or painting or poetry, it's through representation. So it mm. needs a lot of a polon uh, aspect to, to it. Uh, but music can, can be done purely through Dionysian aspects. Yeah. Uh, so that's why he likes the Greek tragedy, because it has a bit of both. It has a bit of storytelling that, through representation, but also music. Uh, so so it, it's sort of the magical balance for Nietzsche yeah, yeah. between the two. Yeah. And that was the high peak of art for him. Yeah. And then it went downhill because everything became tilted in the direction of Apollo. Uh, it, it reminds me of something I talked with Erde Nordrum about uh, when it comes to Puccini. You know, they have this cliche that, oh, the texts are so superficial. So one guy told me it's like boy band texts. But of course, you're talking about acting, singing, music, all these things incorporated. And this simple sentence from Mimi or whomever is amplified 10, 100 times through the music where you feel the emotion. <laughs> you're standing behind it like this great choir, maybe some, some kind of similar yeah. effect, right? And that, that uh, you know, it's not enough with just just words. And and uh, this is why I I uh, I've thought about it. You can read about things, but if you don't know it with your body, it doesn't doesn't help. Yeah, it's it's two different kinds of um, uh, recognition or knowledge. It's when you on the one hand just read about it, you hear about it, you sort of know it. Uh, mm. And on the other hand, you actually acknowledge it with your entire body. Yeah, and it's a very different kind of. Uh, recognition so for example the best example i know of, of that kind of thing is is the fact that i know that i'm going to die for example i know that i'm going to die i know that we're all going to die and uh i can i i have that thought and i think it's true and and i know it but very rarely and a few times but rarely i can really acknowledge with my body that i am actually going to die <laughs> and that's a very rough uh, recognition uh, mm. uh and i i can't hold that for very long, mm. it sort of slips away again. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but that illustrates the two different kinds of, uh, yeah. of knowledge. Mm. When you know it with your, you really know it. Yeah. And on the other hand, you just like recognize the truth. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, great art, of course, it makes you oh. really know something, uh, not just like recognize it through uh, some kind of representation or thought. Well, that, that's, uh, that's uh, the A word again. I have a beef with that. That's the word. <laughs> a problem with that art word. I mean, oh, I, the art word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because, yeah, I, I have to, to. I mean, but you can mean like art, like in the good old fashioned Greek Aristotelian sense, in like, uh, you know, like techna, uh, like the art of, of yeah, knowing, knowing how to do something, knowing how to create something. It's, it's, mm. uh, you mm. can think of it that way if you want. Mm. Uh, because it, it strikes me when, you, if you talk about, 
as an opposition to the tra uh, the tragedy that it is talking about, you have the concept of fine art because I think it's a good uh, simultaneous contrast, which is basically Nietzsche's idea of slave morality, where because you take away all the, the demands of craft, the Apollonian, but also in some also the the, the Dionysians because it's not supposed to be emotional and, and impact, you, you're supposed to have an aesthetically different relation to it, the modern concept of fine art, right? Uh, and that, that sort of kills the, you know, both sides of it in, in somehow, so it's not either or. Well, and I guess that's why also he, he talks about it's not Apollonian or Dionysian when it starts going down, it suddenly becomes Socratian or Dionysian, right? So, so Socrates is this sort of so-called rational completely rational way of thinking just takes over, but it's not Apollonian, still not Apollonian. It's a very strange, uh, yeah. strange distinction. And I think it's, imp I, I, I don't know if I would call it uh, or identify with slave morality, because that, that's something that comes a lot later in the Nietzsche literature uh, than this dichotomy. But I think, um, I think it's more, um, well, yeah, I, I'm mm. not going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, uh, one thing, is, why it's so important to be aware of this is that um, the, I, I've had some conversations with painters about that. You are only, well, I guess I mentioned it, only concerned with, with recapturing reality. But that alone just dies because it's not that grand perspective. And I think, isn't that correct? I mean, what Nietzsche is talking about the, is that the Apollonia is sort of the zeitgeist, your zeitgeist orientation, you know, and also the empiric uh, study of what the individual thing in front of you. But then the Dionysian puts you into contact with the fact that these things pervade throughout time, right? The archetypical perspective. Yeah, I mean, there are very many ways you can read Nietzsche, right? Mm. Uh, uh, he's not crystal clear on this, but I think it, I, I, don't, I read him more by saying that not uh, taking the Dionysian aspect uh, uh, and, and the Apollon and saying that this is uh, identify the Apollon with the zeitgeist or something. I would rather mm. say that the no, not identify, but it would fall more under that we, if if the Apollonian is not necessarily just for a painter, study craft, being empirical, uh, and you know, getting the proportions correct, that would be placed, as I said, under the Apollonian. But also the zeitgeist idea, you couldn't really place it under the Dionysian. It would be more under the Apollonian because that's sort of the, the temporal uh, aspect here, right? So, uh, yeah, maybe... I, I mean, if, you, if I, I, would, I would if you put it like this. I would say the Apollon feature is not promoting life in the way that Nietzsche wants great art to be doing. Uh, so when you do the when you lean too much towards the rational, the planning, mm -hmm. the, the, the representative yeah. aspects uh, of Apollon, you sort of don't promote the life instincts or the life drives uh, that we all have. So when you add the Dionysian aspect, you, you through music in particular for Nietzsche, you sort of um, bring in that aspect of ecstatic letting yourself go and, and letting yourself just join in with the music and, and mm. get in the flow, uh, as some psychologists talk about when you're in the flow. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's, he's saying that that promotes <laughs> life more. Mm. So the Apollon rational aspect of, of an art or any or science for that matter 
is, is not promoting that kind of instinctive life. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's his, his, his agenda, to, to bring that back on the stage, that you need to actually promote our instincts and our drives and our, all our emotions, and you need to get it all out there and, and promote life in that mm -hmm. way. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's why he wants to bring in the Dionysian as well as the Apollon. Mm. Uh, but if you only bring in the Dionysian and have no Apollon, it would just be like, it could be fun, but it wouldn't take you much forward in a yeah, sense. Yeah. Uh, so you need yeah. to uh, have both. But he thinks it's, this is what he later calls nihilism, when, you, when you're denying life. This is why he hates Christianity, for example. Because he thinks that Christianity is denying and putting a lid on all our drives, all our sexual drives, all our life drives and, and instincts that we think is fun and that we just want to let go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Christianity is holding it back. It's, it's saying, restrain yourself, hold back, don't do this, don't do that, you shall do this. It's actually holding people down. Uh, and he thinks right. that's horrible because that's, that's life denying. Uh, so he that, wants to promote life, and that's what Dionysian aspect can do through mm, art. Mm. Uh, and this is something also that um, uh, I had a conversation with uh, Jonas Lundstam on, on uh, the, the the mystery cults, How, you know, participating in the ritual, and he said something that really stuck with me: that the the in the Christian, you know, in the church, you sit there and you are a believer, but in this mystery cults, you were a practitioner. And that's, I think, and then we, when we know that, that uh, the tragedy literally came out of the mythical uh, rituals, so it somehow become codified rituals. So it, it's self-evident that implicit in this are the, the grand archetypes that give your life a grand Meaning, yeah. if you don't get that, you know, worst case scenario, you, you get a complete yeah. psychological breakdown. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, when Nietzsche brings in the archetypes, this is why he thinks that science will never, even though science can do great things, it will never be able to promote life. It will never be able to give a meaning to our lives mm -hmm. uh, because it's just digging for the truth, just the way things are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wants to promote life. So the only moral aspect to the world for Nietzsche is promotion of life. It's to, to actually do something great for life. Uh, and by life, he means, it's a bit unclear, but he means something like the drives and the instincts that we have. Mm. Uh, and he, and he, he thinks you need the mythical story, for example, to recognize yourself and to bring yourself forward. You need a mythical mm -hmm. story. Mm. And it doesn't even have to be true in any strict sense, right? Oh, wow. So he doesn't. So this is one of the big questions in Nietzsche that uh, that uh, I think is very interesting is, is that he questions the value of truth. So he says, why do we search for truth? This will to truth. Why do we search for it just for its own sake? And especially, why do we search for truth if it doesn't promote life? What are we going to do with truth if it doesn't promote life? Mm. So he sort of mm -hmm. uh, devalues truth on the one hand uh, in order to bring in more of the Dionysian and mythical aspects to promote life on the other. Well, so if this is falsity what is... can promote life, you should go for it rather mm -hmm. than the truth that will not promote life. Well, it, it's, you know, and those are many ways you can go into this. I mean, one thing I remember from, uh, I, I lived in Vienna for a couple of months, some years back, and, uh, and uh, me and Boris Kohler went around to some churches and stuff. And we came in, to, and of course, 
Catholic churches, and that's basically more, more much more heathen than the Protestant idea, right? And you come in there, and a, a woman in the 19th century or something had donated a painting to the church because her child had been buried in the church. And it's a painting of a woman giving her child to Jesus. And, you know, sort of sidestepping Nietzsche's critique of, of, of Christianity, the mythical function here is not, you, well, you can tell the woman the, the truth of what, what is happening to the child now lying in the, in the, in the coffin. But that's not maybe what you need right then, right? Yeah. So this image of, of the woman giving her child to Jesus, that is, well, it's a lie, but it's something that is psychologically needed, yeah. right? <laughs> but, but one thing is, is, is sort of living on a lie when you need it. Uh, another thing is, I think, for example, in, uh, for a Nietzschean perspective, we'd say that you need truth if you want to do good science, for example. You need tr the concept of truth, and you need to, to search for the truth rather than just what you well, want, it's not want to search for. Truth as such, or... I think when, when, the, when the falsity gains most value, is in science, truth has a value, right? But when falsity gains most value and can trump truth sometimes, I think is when in art, and this gets back to when, what he says that reality is justified as an aesthetic phenomena, because in, when you create something and you create a, a play or some music or a poem, it's the important part there is to actually do it in a way that promotes your life, that, that makes you feel better and makes mm. you, you gain more life and not kill life, not hold it down. Mm. And in that, when you do that, you don't want to worry about truth. Mm. Because if you worry about truth, exact truth and exact representation, it's going to ruin that promotional life. Yeah. It's just going to kill it. You're going to be depressed and you're going to see that there's, okay, it wasn't like that after all. Well, that's a bummer. Uh, so what you want in, in the aesthetic phenomenon, you want to promote life. And that's when truth doesn't necessarily have the most value. Hmm. But if you want to build a bridge, you want truth uh, <laughs> right. on how to build yeah, that yeah, bridge because yeah. you don't want it to collapse as yeah. soon as you walk on it. Yeah. Thank you for checking out this clip from the Cave of Apelles. If you want to watch the entire segment, head over to caveofapelles.com donate and become a $5 patron. That will allow you to access all our Dark Flame episodes, bonus material with our featured guests, and more.